How does your brand stay authentic? I know we say that a lot, but I want to know how your brand navigates the world. And I mean that when there's a issue or a crisis happens in the world, does your brand have to jump in and speak on every issue? How do you figure out which issues are important to your team, important to your brand, or important to your customer? We talk about that today. We bring on Ann Boyd. She is the CMO at Stoplight. And we just have a great conversation about how to keep it real and how to use the context of each situation to understand what you should be saying or shouldn't be saying in the marketplace. But before we get into it, this show is brought to you by highclass.co. That's H-Y-class.co, a platform where you can go and learn and to grow your small business. Start learning how to do that today over at highclass.co. I am your host of the show, Jordan Shelton. This is the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Let's get into it. What's going on, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, joining me is Anne Boyd. She is the CMO at Stoplight. She is also a member of the Forbes Communication Council. Anne, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jordan. I am excited to have you on and talk about, I mean, the world's a crazy place right now and a lot going on and it's tough to navigate, but I think that's our job as leaders is to navigate and also help our team do that. So I'm really excited to kind of hop in and talk through and get kind of your ideas around that. But before we do, I want to hear your story. How did you get into this world of marketing? Was it on purpose? Was it by accident? Walk me through your journey to date, how you got to Stoplight, and then I'm sure I'll have some questions. Awesome. Okay. Well, it is a little bit of an unintended path, uh, but it's been really uh, a great one. So I basically graduated uh, with anthropology degree and art history minor and thought, oh, I'm going to go back to school and eventually teach. Instead, I was drawn into the world of tech pretty early on. I had a friend who said, hey, work with me on this summer project on campus uh, for a little company called Apple. And I ended up you know, sort of working through this summer camp they did with systems engineers at the time and meeting all these people that I thought were so interesting and cool and smart. And I just liked the way the company handled everything. So that really kicked off my interest in tech. And as far as from there, I got into an opportunity to kind of tackle all different aspects of business. I was running a small company that was a startup in the digital imaging space, and that gave me a chance to try everything. And in the course of doing that, I realized I loved the communications aspect and the community building and messaging and more of the creative side of it. So I decided that I was going to really double down on that and focus on communications and uh, ended up having an opportunity to get connected with the PR firm for Microsoft. So I figured that would be a good tech company to work for. And then from there, in an agency environment, it was really like the boot camp. So I really started to transition what I had learned in school, you know, reading, writing, all the important, you know, aspects of basic communication, but really started turning it into more of a professional expertise as it related to how to position and market and tell stories about products and companies and people and executives in that context. And it was a great experience. I went from there into wanting to be in a corporate side and I ended up going into more of the media and tech world. So AOL, 
Google, and then from there, Fox Interactive, and eventually Sony Pictures. And I always brought a tech filter to a conversation around how to communicate and market and promote things and grew in my leadership roles. And eventually really developed a fondness for brand strategy and brand communications. So as I progressed in my career, I was able to take on more of that. And I eventually transitioned from media into back into pure tech. And in that capacity, I was able to take on brand marketing. And I was also teaching a course in brand strategy at the university here in Colorado. I had moved from LA to Colorado for lifestyle reasons, a couple kids, and we wanted to get out of the hubbub of the city. And it really worked out well because I was able to like grow in that role with communications and brand and start to take over brand marketing. And then in a leadership capacity, grow. And when I came over to Stoplight, I was really excited to work with a CEO that I knew and to build out this team. There wasn't a marketing function here when I arrived. I built it from the ground up and it has been a ton of fun. I'm getting, you know, expanding, building on the brand side of things and communication side of things with more of the demand gen and a lot of other aspects that are really a lot of fun in the marketing world. So. I love it. That's always interesting when I'm like, I talk to people and they're like, I knew the CEO, I get Kate, and now I, I've come over to the startup world and we've had a couple of guests on like yourself where, all right, there is no real marketing function and you kind of come in and it's like, you know, a blank slate. So you come into that, you have this extensive communications background, but in the tech world, like I'm always interested how you navigate taking from the product team and communicating that out to the customer because sometimes it's so highly technical, right? And you're there like, okay, I got to like decipher this and build the appropriate plan to get in front of our leads, but also in a way that's like, explain it to me like I'm five, you know, for, for me. Where did you start when you came in? Was it like, okay, I need to build, was it content? Was it getting, looking at things like attribution? Was it just account-based marketing? Like where did you, when you came in, where were kind of those first, you know, order of operations, so to speak? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, for me, the agenda that was set out by the CEO and and I was really excited about was the fact that we wanted to start to tell the story of this company and the story of what we do, which is API design. And that was something that frankly was not really well known or thought about. So I knew we had a challenge to not only, I had a challenge, not only understand the technical details, but also to build a category really, and to establish this framework for our work and that demand. So for me, kind of two parts to your question, I really enjoy learning things, like figuring them out and and then figuring out how to translate them to other people and explaining and helping, I guess, educate and really you know, share that knowledge. So I kind of look at everything that way. Like, how can I understand something and then be able to share it in a way that is meaningful to the other person? And a part of it's about not only understanding the technical stuff, but also knowing the audience, right? And who are you talking to and how can you make it relate to them in some way? So I love that challenge. And then in terms of the first order of operations, I believe, you know, kind of to your point, like at the heart of the marketing effort, especially 
especially in a technology situation, the product marketing arm is so important. And I really knew I needed to get a strong product marketer in which I was very fortunate to be able to do. The other really vital role was knowing that we were going to create this, have to really tell a story, create a narrative out there uh, that didn't really exist. I knew we had to create a lot of content. I would need someone who was really able to be my partner in getting communications crafted, so written and then also designed and put out into the world. So really essential part of the equation right off the bat was someone to help to be a content marketer slash communications executive and producer, really. At this stage, you know, in the small realm of A-round startups, you know, everybody kind of wears the lead and the doer hat. <laughs> totally. It's interesting. And I see you all have a, a ton of content in different mediums. So I really like that approach. And I, I see, you know, you've gone and really, really own that the niche and looking at, okay, we're going to talk about APIs. We're going to talk about open source. We're going to talk about all of this. Now to date, how many people, you know, from marketing, sales, customer service really are customer facing within the brand? You know, now your series A and the, the company's yeah. growing. What does that number look like? Yeah. So, well, the first year we went from basically two of us to about five that first year, and now we're about seven in the marketing effort. And then on the sales side, we did also grow significantly from, I think we had two uh, or so, three, I guess, the first year and then have doubled from that. And on the success side, that's another area where we've expanded over the time that I've been part of the company. And that was pretty much going from one to now there's about four people and growing and you know addressing the success and experience side of things, which includes support. And we all work really closely together to be able to ensure that we're representing what the customers need and communicating in a way that meshes. We also have growth, which is part of the product team. So engineering opportunities to deliver more value to customers faster. And so with our company in particular, a product-led growth model, which some people you know, have heard a lot of talk about that. It's, it's sort of an emerging focus. And it's just super essential that we all work closely yeah. together. To be in that lockstep, right? Now, I'm and sorry to jump in, but it's I have this interesting, you mentioned storytelling and coming in and, okay, you have to tell the story. And what I'm very interested in is how companies navigate this. Because, I mean, we struggle with this ourselves. We're an agency and we're, you know, we're going and trying to get product customers and what have you. And I'm always like, okay, we have a story to tell and we're telling it but there's a whole world of stuff going on out there. Where do we fit in the context of this? Because we can't be dead quiet, but there's yeah. like, you go on the internet some days and you're like politics or whatever and world war and this and that. And you start to go, okay, or scandal or, and it's just like, okay, where do we fit in, in the noise? Like I always feel like this analogy might not do this justice, but I feel like sometimes I'm like, okay, like we sell a social media service. And I, I feel like sometimes within companies and the customers we're going at, it's like, hey, we're the broken toe. If you're sitting in the ER room and there's like so many other things in front of you, like that you're going to want to take care of, you know, but you're still going to want to walk around with a broken toe. Like we got to get this sorted as well, even though there's fundraising and massive things going on in the world. I'm just really wondering, like, how do you you know, one as a company leader, two as a department navigate like the when and where when it comes to like yeah. pushing the message, the storytelling, and then like just kind of like weighing, you know, the context of outside issues, really. 
Yeah. Well, I think what you said, context is is really everything. And so the way I look at it is there's lots of layers <laughs> to those those aspects. So for one, in terms of, you know, where how to navigate when crisis occurs in the world. Certainly, I'm always very sensitive to, you don't want to appear tone deaf to what's happening. And so you've got to take a look at immediately what content you've got queued up to go. And is that going to come across as really oblivious to the world events? And so certainly you wouldn't want to do anything that like is in contrast to a, a really strong undercurrent or even like major current of public interest and in, in communication. And some of that is relatively easy to navigate. Some of it's challenging when your company's international and something is a really big deal where your company is based, like we were originally based in Austin and something terrible happens there. But, you know, we have a lot of customers in, in Europe and they're not necessarily thinking of the same thing. So so I always try and think about, like, put it through the filter of if I was talking to someone from that place in the world, how would I navigate that? Or if it's if it's big enough news that that it's going to be something that they would have read about, at least like showing that you have some, you're cognizant of it and that you don't have to change your business, but you're just aware. And so that's a tricky one because you don't want to distract from your business either. And I think that the other important thing to keep in mind is that whatever your value proposition is, your product, you never know, like you might be helping someone who's dealing with that. Like yep. one of the things that we went through when the Ukraine war broke out early this year is we got a, uh, some inquiries from, from nonprofits and, and organizations trying to help with the war effort. And we were pleased to be able to provide them our, you know, nonprofit discount and, and help them get going. But, you know, it was like at the same time we were thinking, oh, is this going to be obnoxious to promote now, but who knew we would actually be, you know, a helpful partner in some way. So I think trying to find that balance of tact. So that's that piece on the business side. I want to jump in for a sec because yeah. I think that is so under discussed on like consumers can like decipher and read between the lines and they know like, oh, if this is actually going to help the people, okay, cool. If this is actually the business, oh, you're doing things, oh, you're helping nonprofits. Okay, cool. I can read the thing. I see the value. I see how it helps. I don't think it's disingenuous, right? Where like other times and you see corporations getting like dragged through the mud now when they inject themselves into a conversation that like they're talking the talk, but they don't walk the walk, so to speak. And consumers yeah. go right away and they're like, what are you guys talking about? Like Amazon, you don't let workers take breaks. We don't want to hear how, like, how, how you're for the people. Like, or, you know, or like you start to see those things and it's like, okay, I think the context is the main word there is like, and for anyone listening, there's no playbook. You have to look at, does our company, what's the ethos of our company? Does does this issue directly impact our consumers? And is us taking a stand helping anything? Should we just not post? Should we not say anything? Or should we just can't kind of keep our message as a break from, hey, they're going to get inundated with this news in their feed anyways, but we can be that kind of welcome break or if people search it out, they're going to see that. So it's, it's such a tough thing to balance, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head. They're kind of talking about context and not being afraid to still promote the business. Because if you look for an atrocity in the world, you'll find one every day and, and you'll never promote promote. So it's like, how do you do that? Right? Yeah, it's super tough. And I think in addition to context, I would say, and I think this word is 
totally overused, but authenticity. I mean, you've got to have some real connection to what you're talking about. And even if it's personal, that's okay. Like it can be personal that pulls you into a conversation and then it's business related, right? Because we all have personal lives too, but you don't want to misrepresent or inflate something that's not a real connection. And I grew up from a career perspective, I grew up at a time where there was the whole greenwashing phenomenon and the initial forays into like, oh, we're going to go zero waste and, you know, try and show how conscientious we are as a company. And you saw companies doing that, that maybe didn't really have a great connection or a real environmental connection. Now, granted, I'm passionate about that issue. I feel like we all could do our part there, but you know, the ones that really come through and persuade people to take action or to have a different view of their company are people like, I mean, look, you know, Patagonia is sort of the biggest example. Of course, it's like it's embedded in their whole reason for being. And it's so authentic. To me, it's the difference. And I say it's my team, too. It's the difference between empathy versus emotional manipulation. And you can tell when a company is empathetic, you're like, like Patagonia, they live that value. Okay. I Mm -hmm. saw when the Ukraine war broke out, there was a guy who was actually on the show named Roman Padani started this company Casa, which is like a a vacation rental, you know, thing. And he is a Ukrainian guy. And he came out and said, any refugees stay for free. Like we're opening it up. This is right when it happened. And I'm like, oh yeah, this guy isn't, this isn't a marketing ploy for him. He's like no. he is about that life. Like he believes it. He is truly doing and he's doing the right thing where another company who I won't name changed their logo to blue and yellow. And then you find out they weren't donating. They weren't doing anything. And it's like, oh, you're trying to like profiteer off that. Like yeah. that's messed up now. You know, like, are you in solidarity or are you using it to manipulate people and try to drive clicks? So it's I think consumers can, you know, smell bullshit. So I'm always like, I like that you said authenticity. Although we use it a lot in marketing, it's so true. Being authentic, being empathetic, those are the things that are going to ring true when you try to navigate these situations, you know, as they come at you. And I know we're we're getting short on time. So but I do want to give you a second here before I let you go. Just let people know, one, where they can connect with you online and two, where they can learn more about Stoplight. Oh, sure. I'm probably professionally mostly on LinkedIn and then on Twitter. So Anne B on Twitter and Anne JB on LinkedIn, I believe. And then for Stoplight, there's stoplight.io. We have the website and we're also on all the social platforms as well and try and you know stay active there. So that's where to find us. Amazing. And I'll put links to both of those in the show notes. And anyone who's in the B2B marketing and you're listening to this and you just want to see an example of like what I would think is really nicely baked out content marketing strategy, go check out the Stoplight content. I think y'all have done a really great job in kind of segmenting out from video, podcast, blog, et cetera. And thank you again so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode of Mind Your Marketing. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. 